Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. It is Friday, March 11th, and today we can only talk about Chelsea, who received a death penalty, but we'll talk about PSG blowing it, we'll talk about scores, we'll talk about games, but first, Chelsea. Chelsea and Roman Abramovich receive what is the equivalent of the NCAA's death sentence. For those of you who don't know what that is, the NCAA once gave it to SMU for violations within the NCAA rules, which effectively meant your school could no longer play or no longer be part of the NCAA and football. But Chelsea received the death sentence. What does that mean? Why did they get it? What does it mean for the rest of the league? So. To recap, uh, Mike had the conversation with Ali uh, the other day. Um, Chelsea are owned by Roman Abramovich. Roman Abramovich is a Russian oligarch, whatever that means. Basically, it means he made a lot of money with Putin or through the auspices of Putin or with Putin's agreement. Uh, He essentially bought the resources of Russia as it was collapsing in the early 90s for very cheap and then was able to sell it later on at exorbitant prices. So he got very rich by ill-begotten means and has the nickname of Putin's wallet. Where that comes from, how it got to him, I don't know. But essentially, Chelsea received the death sentence. The UK government has listed him along with 25 other oligarchs uh, or friends of of Putin uh, due to the uh, attack in Ukraine. So I'm going to read from my phone here. Roman Abramovich's assets have been frozen by the UK government, meaning he is unable to sell Chelsea. He could sell Chelsea. He just could not make money from it. He has frozen assets. What does it mean? These are tactical things that are happening. Further ticket sales to home and away games from fans are prohibited. However, if you already have a season ticket, you still may go to games. No merchandise sales are allowed. Not necessarily true. They cannot buy new merchandise, but whatever is in the stores they may sell, but they may may not get new merchandise. They cannot make any transfers because they cannot spend any money because they don't have any money. Their bank assets are frozen. They cannot do any contract renewals. For Chelsea, this is a big deal. That means that Antonio Rudiger, uh, Aspilicueta, uh, several women on the uh, several players on the women's teams who have rolling contracts. As I understand it, as of now, Chelsea's ban off is runs through May 31st, and Chelsea have no access to money. They may not be able to make payroll. They have no access to new cash. All the money that Roman Abramovich has been using to fund the club has been frozen. They cannot transact. Now, Chelsea does have special dispensation that allows essentially the club to run, provided it's from existing deals. So there is some sort of system where the players will be able to be paid. There is some sort of stipulation where the team can travel. So Chelsea do have to travel to Lille, Lille, L-I-L-L-E, the French champions, and we're going to get on to PSG in a minute, 
that allows them to finish up their leg. They're up 2-0 in the Champions League, and I believe they play next week. This is a massive deal, and we are in completely new territory for sports. Um, We are in a place where I believe no team has ever been. I don't know of a team ever being frozen by the government. We've had in the NBA a team being taken under control by the commissioner's office. The last team I can remember was the um, New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans, and they voided famously the Chris Paul trade under David Stern. So this is new territory. Um, The team was for sale. Roman Abramovich seemed to know that this was going on. He's last week, he sent out a cryptic message that says, oh, Chelsea will be under control of the Chelsea Trust. No one knew what that meant. And the people in the Chelsea Trust didn't know that they were in that Chelsea Trust and didn't know that well, what that meant. He seemed to be trying to protect his asset. He then said later in the week that the team was for sale, that he wouldn't make any money from it, and that all the proceeds would go to Ukraine and that he would not ask for any loans. So they tried to get the sale through, but this was all happening too fast. And there seems to be other laws that were coming onto the books that the uh, English government was uh, grandstanding for that allowed and pushed this through. And all, and I think the bombing of the hotel, of the uh, children's hospital in Maripol. Uh, was the final straw for the oligarchs to actually get their assets seized. And this happened for about 60 people. And so Chelsea Football Club are in limbo. They have no access to funds. The person who funds the team no longer can send them money. They are, under normal circumstances, when someone has their assets taken, you know, it's a it's a factory. It's a it's a warehouse. It's a it's something that's just inert. It's just there. They just take it. They take the yacht. They take your house. They take your apartment. No problem. But a football club is different. It's a living entity. It has fans. It is a public good. It is a community asset, as they say. It would be as though there. I think the way to think about it is. Football clubs are as though someone owns a church or owns the congregation of a church. Yes, they can charge rent or whatever, and they are shepherding the maintenance of that church, or you're the owner for the time being, and you can make money. But that that building doesn't belong to you in the natural sense of what we would think of as a normal asset, because there are millions of fans and millions of supporters that support Chelsea Football Club. They didn't have a choice in who their owner was. They didn't control it. And so it's a delicate situation that the government has gotten themselves into, and they've opened themselves up to any number of things. Um, I am torn. I am torn. Uh, What do I think about this, right? What do I think is happening? I am torn because this is a dangerous precedent to set. Now, these are mitigating circumstances. We have Putin invading Ukraine. We have uh, Abramovich's direct ties to 
Putin. There was an investigation within the last 10 years or five years that said they weren't direct or what have you. I think it's pretty clear. I don't think if 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 Chelsea fans really can search their heart, they know that Abramovich got that money through ill-begotten means. Did he have someone killed? Is he a murderer? I don't know. Whatever the case is, he's on the list. I don't... I don't like the idea of guilt by association. I know why it's being done. I understand the pressure. But the Chelsea fans and supporters are not Russian citizens. This isn't something along those lines. These are British citizens or English citizens or fans around the world who, because their owner is associated with the president of a sovereign nation, their team may collapse in the short term. I, I, Chelsea are a big enough brand. Uh, I think that they can weather this. I, I don't think they're in danger of being relegated or whatever or, or being in trouble. But how long do they have to go through this? I think it's super fluid. And I'm, I'm torn because there's a lot of hypocrisy. Um, we've just seen the Saudi Wealth Fund, the PIF, by Newcastle. Not exactly good people. Um, I will raise my hand and say, listen, Manchester City are owned by Sheikh Mansour of the Emirates and Abu Dhabi. It's their culture. They're doing their own things. I'm sure there are terrible things that Sheikh Mansour has done in the name of his country. Is he funding the Houthis in in the Emirates? Is he funding um, uh, Osama bin Laden's former fighters? I don't know. We can assume that if a country is one of the oil states, that there's a loose morality that doesn't feel good to deal with. Um, And we can do that with a lot of very, very wealthy people. They are wealthy, especially at the multiples, when you're in the multiple billions of dollars. They're wealthy because they see the world a certain way and they are ruthless in a it does it doesn't mean they're killers i'm not saying they're murderers i just find this pandora's box of taking teams from owners to be worrisome i don't know if it's wrong in this case i just don't know when we're going to pull this out and use it for nefarious or unusual means um sometimes where you don't think of second and third consequences. So, you know, we should be asking ourselves, okay, Chelsea's been taken away from Roman Abramovich. And then what? Okay, this team gets sold, but he can't get the money. Okay, and then what? Who gets the team? Who benefits? It, do we have to do this more often? What about other teams? Whenever, whenever there's a war and a country's associated owner is connected to it, do we then have to take the team away? Because that would mean that the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia and Newcastle should have their taken, team taken away because they're forcibly starving the, the, the Yemenites in their civil war. Are we going to do that? Is that something we want to think about? Is that something we want to be in charge of? A lot of fan groups 
and uh, your your pie in the sky folks are now. Oh, we need to go to the German one percent ownership. This is what this is what the Premier League has wrought with its billionaire owners. That might be true. That might be true. There's other ways to fund teams. There's other ways to handle football. Or the Premier League just keeps on going on the way it is. These things, we we want to stick to sports as often as possible, but society is reflected in sport. And there are oligarchs that own teams. And there are labor relations. You know, we just found that out with baseball. There are all these things that are involved in base in football and the world. I don't know what to do, but watch this space. Chelsea are one of the big six teams. They're one of the big brands in the world. Um, Chelsea fans love Roman Abramovich. They have been singing his names at the games. Um, and I don't blame them for it. I really don't. They love their team. He has shown that he cares about winning, which is all you can ask for. And since 2003, since he's been the owner of the team, Chelsea have won the most trophies in England. And that's a fact. And Chelsea fans can hold on to those moments. They just won the Champions League. They just won the Club World Cup. They have Mourinho. They have championships under Ancelotti. They have UEFA Cup under under Rafa Benitez. They have the famous siege against the greatest team that anyone has ever seen. They beat Barcelona in the Champions League in the biggest rear guard action you'll ever see, 2011. And then they stood and withstood another attack from Bayern Munich and won the Champions League that season as well. Conte won a league with them. Mourinho came back. It was against Liverpool that the slip happened. It was against Chelsea that the world-famous Gerard slip at Anfield happens. And, and Mourinho reveled in it. Chelsea are there. They're part of the fabric of the Premier League, and the fans get to revel in those moments. And Abramovich has been the funding of that. And I, people hate him. He's controversial. Did they dope the league? Did they break the, the wage structure? All these things might be true, and I don't know the answers to it. But the Premier League will never be the same. It has now been irrevocably changed by the events in Ukraine, and I expect more changes more changes to happen. I think that these financial crises that are hitting the Premier League and the financial crises of inflation and the financial crises of COVID and the financial crises of a war in Europe are going to change football. And this is probably just the first step. But let us get to the football. This was the Champions League week. We had Bayern Munich defeating Red Bull Salzburg 8-2 on aggregate. Uh, I guess Salzburg weren't ready. They did They did go into the tie 1-1, but Lewandowski and Bayern Munich just decide, fuck off, we're taking you out. Uh, 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 Lewandowski with a hat trick. Liverpool lose, but go through 2-1 on aggregate. They lost at home in Anfield. Wow and wow. Lautaro with the screamer, and then... Uh, Alexis Sanchez sent off for a, an orange card. Unfortunate. I think Enter could have got that. Liverpool live again 
The ghosts of Anfield carry them through. Men's City win 5-0 on aggregate. They play a drab 0-0 draw. The only thing that anyone can say about this game is 42-year-old goalkeeper Scott Carson got to play and uh, some of the kids got to play. But the drama, drama, drama came from the Real Madrid PSG game. PSG up 1-0 going into the game. Score a goal from Mbappe early. They're up 2-0 on aggregate in the game. Mbappe scores two other goals that are offside. PSG are cruising. PSG have this thing in hand. In the second half, there is a bump in the 61st minute. Donnarumma tries to play the ball. He is not known to be a good keeper for playing the ball, but he is a Euro-winning goalkeeper. He won on penalties. He gets bumped off the ball by Benzema. It's an arguable foul. And from that moment, and they score a goal, goes to Vinicius, goes back to Benzema. Benzema puts it in. And from that moment on, from the 61st minute on, PSG collapse again. This is now the fifth or sixth year in a row that PSG have collapsed in, not in a row. They had, they made it to the final against Bayern Munich and probably could have won that one. They made it to the semifinal against City and City put them out uh, in, in the snow game. They were so much better City in that game. But they have the remontada where they were down they gave up three goals in the 87th minute on. Uh, they have just a poor, poor history, and PSG's narrative continues. Mike, this is just for you. In football, because there is not free agency, because there is not mass, there is mass movement of players, but teams get stamped with an ethos, um, and those narratives live on. And unfortunately, you know, Spurs for Mike have the concept of Spursy, which is the idea that they 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 blow it in the end. And PSG have now, mostly in the Champions League, picked up that moniker as well as a team that can't find a way to win. Whereas Real Madrid on the other side are a team that have the will to win. They're warriors. They have the aged battle scars of Cruz and Modric. And Modric, at 36 years old, just completely took over this game from the midfield. Benzema scored in the 76th and the 78th minute. And PSG collapsed. They were, like, just gone. They couldn't pick their heads back up. They couldn't get themselves back together. Um, The narrative of this game is not one of tactics or not one of... Not one of two teams raising their levels, but of a team getting punched in the mouth and being unable to recover. Football is a wonderful sport. And there are a couple reasons why it is. I mean, we've talked about it a million times. But the continuous flow and lack of timeouts and lack of stoppages and really no way to control a crowd when it decides to pick up its team, like what happened at the Bernabeu in in Madrid against PSG, the players in the moment have to, as a group, find a way to pick themselves back up. And that doesn't happen 
often teams only have so many moments to test themselves to get up off the mat. And sometimes the team's history, ethos, ghosts, uh, whatever the case is, does lift them. And for Real Madrid, it is a, we're the 13-time champions of Europe. We're at home. We're in a building where Di Stefano, where Ronaldo, where Raul, where the ghost of every Real Madrid champion lives. This is our league. We are Royal Madrid. We are Spain. We are football. We are royalty. Regardless of the players, it's expected for us to pick ourselves off the mat, react to our crowd, and go win games. And that's exactly what Real did. They found the heart of a champion. It It, it is classic. It is narrative-busting. But it is there. You, you watch the game. You can feel it. I, 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 it sounds trite and it sounds cheap and it sounds easy. But in football, we have those moments. And what we have in PSG is a nouveau riche, a ill-begotten gains team, a team that is less than the sum of its parts a team that's not connected to each other, a team that doesn't play as a unit, a team that thinks that it can get the greatest player of a generation on it and that makes it better, when in fact it doesn't. Teams need to suffer together. Teams need to fight together. Um, and and PSG have found have been, unfortunately, regardless of coach, from Laurent Blanc to Pochettino to Tuchel, to Ancelotti, they've all been unable to lift this team and and bound a unit together because the players on the team know they can go around and go to the owner. And so the structure of the team doesn't allow for the manager or the leader to lead his team. And so you see these disjointed performances where they get punched in the mouth and they go down. And you know, it was not an Mbappe uh, thing, but this was the end of Mbappe at PSG. He will leave. He will go to Real Madrid. He will play with Benzema and the legend and the power of the royalty of 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 football will live on. The whites, the blancos, the madristas will carry on. And they're not going to win the Champions League. Real Madrid is not good enough to win the Champions League. They will lose to a team that also plays as a unit. It will be Bayern. It will be Liverpool. It will be City who can defeat this grizzled lion of a team that is Real Madrid. I would expect them to go out, but they take a big scalp. And, you know, for the for the royalty of football, they continue. Liverpool goes through. Bayern Munich goes through. Uh, next week, we'll see Man United and Atletico and Juventus and Chelsea and Ajax try and get through. Ajax having the toughest road with a 2-2 aggregate. So we see this the, the royalty of football come through. And it's very odd because it does match 
the status of the club. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works, but it's one of the things that makes me love football. And it's one of the things that even though City are through, I know they don't have it. I know they don't have the glory. I know they don't have the um, the history behind them. But we're trying to make our history. And um, we made it to the final last year. The less spoken about the nil-nil, the better. But from my perspective with City, we keep fighting. And we have to fight against the ghosts of of glory and make our own glory. And it makes it really, really, really fucking hard. Um, it doesn't mean that Manchester City don't have history. They've been in Manchester since 1894. They've been champions. They're a part of the history of English football. But they're a local club. And the people from Manchester who love the team feel insulted that they're, they're told that they don't have history. We have our own history. We have 99 in the League One getting up. But on the international stage, City don't have history. And that's okay. We're going to take United's history. United play next week against Atletico. But we carry on. I, I got sidetracked. Normally, I just go through the scores, but I got moved by the uh, Champions League. We also had Premier League games today, out of the blue. Uh, a lot of teams, to, a lot of games to make up. We had Wolves defeat Watford 4-0. Watford still in the bottom three, still not really going anywhere. Uh, Norwich also lose to Chelsea. Chelsea in the face of finding out their team could collapse. We don't know what will happen, but they win 3-1. The fans still chanting Rabramovich's name. Goals, Two goals for Havertz uh, and a goal from Chalaba. Newcastle continue their run. They're now 14th in the league. They defeat Southampton. I just watched the highlights of this. Southampton were hard done. They were really, really good and should have gotten something out of the game. And Leeds under Jesse March give up three more goals to the rampant Aston Villa. Um, McGinn's back. Uh, Coutinho was on the ball in this game. So Aston Villa are up to ninth. And Leeds have not dropped into the bottom three yet, but they are getting awfully, awfully close. It's getting near more than squeaky bum time for them. As I look through this, Leeds just four shots on target. They have 50% possession, but that's just not enough. Um, Not a great performance for them. Goals from Coutinho. Callum Chambers with a worldie. Also, Matty Cash with a worldie. So getting two goals from defense for for Villa. And um, um, Steve Gerrard has his team rolling. His team rolling. I'm at the half hour mark nearly, and I'm starting to get tired and not have much to talk about. Mike and I always bring up the fact that whenever we do the show solo, it gets really hard to um, to find more than a half hour <laughs> to talk about. And when we do the show together, we get to about an hour. So it's pretty funny that between the two of us, we talk for about a half an hour. But uh, let's go through Let's go through the, the weekend's games coming up. We have Brighton-Liverpool, Burnley-Brentford in a six-pointer, the mighty Spurs versus Man United. But then the whole, the whole schedule is on Sunday, all at 2 p.m., Chelsea-Newcastle. That, ga- that game gets really tough now. That'll be the first test for Newcastle. Southampton versus Watford. Watford should go down. West Ham-Villa in the battle of Claret and Blues. That should be a good game as well. I really love what Gerard's doing. Uh, Everton-Wolves. 
Everton need a win desperately. They could be in trouble. Leeds versus Norwich, six-pointer there. And then to end the week, we have Arsenal versus Leicester City. Uh, All the top four still up for grabs. Let's go through that as well. City with the six-point lead over Liverpool, who have a game in hand. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen there. This will all be decided on April 10th. Chelsea are in third, but we don't know if they'll be able to circle the wagons on what's going on with them. Are they going to be able to make payroll? Are players going to be looking for a way out? Uh, Jamie Carragher is always talk, already talking about Thomas Tuchel leaving and taking the Man United job. I mean, they're going to pick the bone. If Chelsea have a, an economic problem, they will be picked clean of their players. The first one to go to will be Rudiger. He'll go to United. United in fifth. West Ham in sixth, uh, followed by Spurs, who have two games in hand on 45. There We have our, our Spice Boy crew in the middle of the pack there, basically from 14 to 9. They're all kind of in the same spot, but Newcastle are pushing to break into the party, and Brighton are sitting there uh, wishing they never sold Dan Byrne. And then the bottom four, Leeds, Everton, Burnley, Watford, Norwich, between Burnley, Everton, and Leeds, one of them is going to go down. Um, Burnley look strong on paper. Everton are too big of a club. Leeds look like the one to fall into that group. They have Burnley have two games in hand, but only and and Leeds only have a two point lead. I don't trust Jesse March. I do trust Dyche. Uh, it you could see Leeds going down if they don't right the ship. Uh, The last performance was good against Leicester, and they were hard done not to get a result, but today's was worse. And uh, Leeds just giving up goals for fun. They have a face a must-win against Norwich, or they are in a lot of trouble. I do want to take a moment to um, acknowledge how little sport means. (laughs) It's the least important thing that means everything. Uh, This time, you know, we have this Chelsea issue, but why are we having that issue? Because there's a war in the Ukraine that was caused by Russia, whatever. They invaded a sovereign nation. Whatever the reasons, whatever side you're on, people are dying. My friends... Uh, in the Ukraine, I actually have friends there. Marina, Pavlo, Misha, Alexi, that I work with. I think about them every day. I hope they're okay and their families are okay. And I hope that um, they're finding stupid things to do to make them happy. Um, and hopefully, you know, this this thing ends. Uh, it's going to affect football. It already has. Russia has been completely kicked out of the World Cup. Uh, Ukraine have postponed their FIFA games to um, to join. Uh, t- they have a playoff game against Scotland. I would like to see FIFA just be like, you know what, Ukraine? We're just going to put a fucking extra team in. You're in the World Cup. It's those sorts of things that are so little that can be done that could give a country so much hope. And I wonder if they if if FIFA would do that. I don't think it damages the integrity of the thing. You think you know? I don't know. 
So you have an extra fucking two teams. You let you let Scotland and Ukraine in. So what? I don't know. I know football doesn't want to be political, but everything is political now. Everything means something. So why not use the power of football, the power of sport to lift up a country's hopes and just put them in the World Cup? Who cares whether they made it or not? Or, you know, let them play out all their moments, see if they make it on merit, and then just make a special... Ask ask if a team will sacrifice their spot or or make an extra spot or do something. I don't know the right answer. Make there be a group with an extra team. So what? It's just football. It doesn't mean anything. It's just football. They're not going to win the World Cup. But if they can have their moment in Qatar for the Ukrainian team, that would probably mean everything to them. They have something to cheer for. Now again, do, does that open a Pandora's box again? Does that make me a racist because I didn't say, oh, Palestine should have a team or Yemen should be able to make the CAF uh, championship? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, I don't care. I'm just living in my feelings right now and just uh, hoping that we have peace and that um, that peace comes quickly. And I hope there's peace for the Chelsea fans. I don't want them to lose their team. I don't want Chelsea to collapse just because Roman Abramovich is a man who was greedy and made friends with the wrong guy when he was in his 40s. Is he a murderer? I don't know. I certainly hope not. Did he steal from Russian people? Probably. Does that mean that every Chelsea fan should suffer? I don't know. Probably not. Because I certainly don't... I certainly wouldn't want Manchester City taken away or dropped from the Premier League because of something Sheikh Mansour did or or um, the Cronkies are found out to be mass murderers and, and, and Arsenal be taken away or, or FSG and John Henry, we find out that he's a fucking sacrilegious, you know, pedophile ring and Liverpool be taken away or, or, Hey, the Sullivan and gold were fucking, uh, porn settlers and they still own West Ham. You know what? What's the morality is, I guess, war and bombing hospitals is the morality, but he didn't do it. It's not Putin doesn't own Chelsea. A friend of Putin owns Chelsea. How far do we go? If I'm his hairdresser, Am I the guy who takes pictures of him on horseback? Do I lose my team? I don't know. I'm, I'm just asking questions. I mean, it's uh, it's one of these difficult things. You know, we talk about football. We talk about uh, amazing goals. Um, did I leave out New? I I did. I left out um. I left out Newcastle versus Southampton today. <laughs> really good goal in that game. I don't know. Okay, that, I'm going to wrap it up. (laughs) That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast without Mike, but with Laurent. We record the show on Tuesdays and Fridays. We hope for peace. We hope you'll leave a review. We thank everyone who follows the show, especially the Chop Sports Network and Fan Hub. 
we will see you on 